This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Remember some of the awful stories of verbal or even physical abuse that was hurled towards retail workers from customers during the peak of the pandemic? Everything from yelling, even spitting, pushing, it was terrible. You may have witnessed it or you may have even experienced it yourself. But Daniel Miles, good morning. Even though the spike in aggressive behaviour towards staff started early during those early days of the pandemic, it isn't dying down. We are still behaving this way towards retail staff. Really confronting, isn't it, Rochelle? You think about, I mean, we cast our minds back to the depths and the darkness of, of the lockdowns that we endured, you know, it was a troubling time. But what was really troubling during that period was watching people go viral for what is frankly pretty disgusting behaviour. We were seeing people spread all across the internet because they were treating people badly in supermarkets. Yep. It was happening in hardware stores. It was happening in local pubs and clubs. And it got to the point where security guards were being hired at the most, you know, inoffensive areas. There were security guards who were manning bookstores so that when you went to get your rom-com to escape the, you know, the hardships of what was a really stressful pandemic, you could be safe buying a, you know, a Mills and Boone, which is really <laughs> You're terrible. You're safe buying a Mills and Boone. Well, you know, that's, that's a different kind of thing. But this was a, a time where people were going troppo yeah. because there wasn't toilet wasn't paper awful. on the shelves. I can remember seeing just at my local supermarket because there was something that wasn't on the shelf and it was right. You know, there was things missing all the time and we were all under stress. But the way this woman spoke to the woman who was working at the supermarket, who was an older lady, not that age matters, but it Mm. was horrific to witness. And, you know, my daughter and I had to, we thought, we've got to do something here, you know. So we went up to the worker to make sure Mm -hmm. she was okay. I mean, she was physically shaking. And I was also pretty sure that that wasn't the first time on that day that she'd been spoken to in that manner. So that was, though, a couple of years ago now. Mm. You would think, okay, we're not in lockdown anymore. Uh, We don't have shortages of toilet paper. We're not panic buying. Yep. Masks are gone. There's no check-ins. There's toilet paper. But what's really worrying is this toilet attitude towards some people in staff is remaining. And, I mean, I have to admit, I was a little bit shocked when I read some of the data around it. I mean, in my little bubble that I live in, um, things looked like they were on the up and up. We had people who weren't being treated so poorly. The, The idea of the us and them, the ring of steel, that was all like a distant memory that, you know, I know I personally suppressed it. Um... And now to read that people are still getting treated so badly was a real shock. And it, and it made me think, is it time that that old adage of the customer is always right? Do we need to turn that on its head? Because it seems like it's been taken a little bit too far. So what makes someone think that they can treat someone in retail that way? What does it say about broader society? There's texts already coming in saying, I think customers are abusing retail staff is more because everyone is being squeezed and retail workers are seen to be at that low level of society. Like a lot of people feel like they can push them around when a worker isn't helping them and they take that personally. Many people also talking about when they had to hire security guards. Well, industry groups and workers are saying that this is not good enough and they want to see changes. In some parts of Australia, they're asking for it to be made a criminal offence with harsher penalties if you abuse a retail worker. So do you work in retail? Have you experienced verbal, physical abuse from customers? And would you like to see better protections? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you and Melbourne Daniel Miles, as always, joining you from ABC Warrnambool. And we're looking at retail abuse and abuse Mm. by customers and the fact that we all saw it and it was horrific during the pandemic, but it isn't going away. It's happening in hospitality. It's happening in supermarkets. It's happening in all forms of retail. So how do we stop it? Jared Dwyer is the National Secretary of the SDA, which is the Union for Retail, Fast Food and Warehouse Workers. Jared, you've just done a, a huge poll over the last two years speaking to retail workers 
about whether or not they feel like they've been abused on the job. What did you discover? Well, so unfortunately, what we discovered was that the results pre-COVID, during COVID, when we checked, or at the end of COVID, when we checked in again um, last year and now, it, the, the dial has not moved. We still have a major problem in our community where shoppers think that it's okay to unload on retail workers um, who are simply just doing their job. And every worker is entitled to feel safe when they're at work. And unfortunately, too many of our members don't. Over it's those figures on all three um, engagements have shown a figure of over 80% of people advising that they've been abused by a customer at least once uh, in the past year. And um, over 50% of those cases, they say it happens either weekly or at least once a month. So we as a community have a problem, a real problem. Jared, were you surprised by just the amount of people that were saying that they had been abused? And, and where do you think this sense of entitlement comes from? I'm surprised initially, Daniel. Like if you go back a couple of years, we knew we had a problem. Um, and I'm sort of going back to 2017 when we, we started formalising um, an approach with industry. So this was employer associations, the union and our members and delegates working on this issue because we knew it was there. I guess what the, the data has shown is that it's an it's a even bigger problem than we first expected. Um, so it's larger than we expected and now unfortunately it's not going away. In terms of the sense of entitlement, um, we don't have uh, an answer to that. But what is interesting is that um, we seem to, it would, there's, there's underlying reasons that are there. First of all, like pre-COVID, what was it? Um, we don't know. It was just this general disrespect towards people in our industry. Um, we know lives are getting busier and maybe that's feeding into it. People take an opportunity to unload on people because um, their stress levels or their, their operating stress levels are higher than what they were 20 years ago. Um, but that was pre-COVID. Then COVID, we know about the pressures on stock and that led to a lot of nasty uh, engagements. And now the feedback we're getting is its cost of living. There's always been stresses, though. If I think back to my grandparents who, you know, I may be a little biased, but they were hands down the sweetest, most lovely people you could ever imagine. And you know what? They lived through a world war and depression. And so there have always been stresses. And lots of people are saying things like stop using COVID as an excuse for bad behaviour and stop, uh, and uh, we need to stop others by stepping in and protecting the abused, just like abusers on sporting fields. And others saying exactly what you said Daniel Miles we should just stop that old adage of the customer is always right that's from Tracy Jared stay with us because Greg's called through from Sunbury good morning Greg good morning Rochelle how are you well what did you want to say well when um, I was a tram driver for, for many years I was actually an instructor on the trams and um, I gave away the job that I loved in 2005 because I was absolutely fed up with the violence and the abuse that we used to cop. Um, just the rudeness, like you, they'd come up and they'd say, do you go to the casino? And you say, yes, I do. And they'd just walk away and ignore you. But I used to get that, like, it, they'd come up and, uh, and spit on you, if you if, oh. because, because they forgot to pull the bell and you didn't stop. Mm. And you got, uh, and I got threatened with. Uh, I'd, I'd have a finger drawn across their throat to say that they wanted to kill me because of they did something wrong, and I, I, I couldn't be a mind reader. You know, it was just simple little stupid things, and people would fly off the handle. What protection yeah. should be in place, Greg? Do you think so well, that you don't have to cop that? Well, the funny part about it was, <clears throat> for me. I used to, when I worked night shift and weekends, I used to have a bungee cord and I'd keep that door open, and which wasn't really allowed. But all of a sudden, people would say good morning and goodbye to you and thank you and, and everything else. And then they'd, uh, and, and they were all of a sudden, oh, he might come out the cab and have a go at me if I try and take him on. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how accurate that was, but what I did notice in Europe is that that first door, where you've got the double doors on the front of a tram or a bus, 
it's actually divided. So if necessary, the the driver is completely sealed, and then the, if necessary, the driver can actually get off the vehicle without actually having oh, to be. So they've got uh, that protection, somebody. yeah, and they can get them themselves through. But the, I guess that's the other area, Daniel, that we didn't think of was mm. people copying it in public transport. Anyone that's sort of putting themselves out the forefront. Yeah, as, as soon as you're at the forefront of this and it's it's hospitality, it's the healthcare sector as well. We're seeing a lot of texts about medical staff. Um, Greg, thanks for calling in. Owen's called from Melton this morning. Good morning, Owen. How's it going? Very well. What would you like to say? Uh, I was just going to say about the, uh, the big shopping supermarkets. Mm. They've... They've changed everything down to, okay, they want everything in their... uh, So they don't have to use people. Oh, the self-checkout, and that gets people Mm. frustrated as well. Yeah, oh, and look, I mean, I think it's a a combination of things. Gerard Dwyer is still with you. He's the National Secretary for the SDA, which is the Union for Retail, Fast Food and Warehousing. Gerard, we'll get to more calls in just a tick, but here's just one of the texts that are coming in. My son, age 16, works in a fast food outlet. As a server, he gets abused by mum and dad customers who are impatient and very rude. He doesn't take it personally, but it's shocking to hear do certain demographics ages genders get targeted more yes they do unfortunately those surveys that we referred to earlier they regularly show that young workers female workers and workers from um, non-english speaking backgrounds are more prone to abuse from customers they seem to be targeted Uh, i think it's actually quite despicable that young workers um you know first experience often in the workforce are getting targeted by people in numbers well above what the average abuse levels are. Um, you know, we we keep saying to people that that could be someone's son or daughter um, that you're doing that to. It actually could be your son and daughter in another store. So there is a huge job here in terms of educating the community that this just isn't acceptable. Right? The standard is not good enough and people are entitled to go to work be treated with respect and come home safely. And to a point that was made by yourselves there earlier, the customer isn't always right. And we say to our members, yes, the customer is important, but the customer isn't always right. And these figures bear that out. And Jared, you mentioned obviously retail, fast food, warehousing. Sometimes and often this is someone's first job, their first Mm. step into the workforce. What does this do to, to that whole band of workers that are coming through? If their first experience is one where they're getting physically, emotionally and verbally abused, does this then link into the fact that, you know, we may have a generation that's that's gone through this and then may not want to go back to that industry? Oh, I think that's undoubtedly the case. Um, I was speaking to a member earlier this week who was telling me that um, five new people started in their department um, and two have already gone. Um, people don't want to put up with it and you can understand that this is unacceptable behavior and if it is your first experience in the workforce you're exposed to this um, a lot of young workers say wow um, this isn't for me now the community misses out um, in terms of a young person having a positive experience and growing as a member of our community Uh, the young individual misses out because their earning capacity the, the positive engagement that work should bring them has been missed and they will go into their next workplace, probably in a few years' time, and there'll be levels of anxiety um, that are quite understandable, but a person shouldn't be put in that situation. But unfortunately, this is happening on scale right across our industry. Just finally, Jared, what would you like to see happen? I know New South Wales is seriously considering harsher punishments. They want to make it a criminal offence to be able, uh, if you abuse a retail worker physically or um, verbally, what would you like to see done? Well, we would actually like to see those proposed um, amendments actually come to life, that it is a criminal offence, that people are held to account for their behaviour. And I must say, uh, a number of retailers are supporting us in that position. This is an industry-wide issue, and industry, including the union, is trying to push back against it. And we've seen harsher penalties put in place in South Australia, and in Western Australia, and we want to see those spread across other jurisdictions because 
asking the community to behave themselves better hasn't worked. Now it's time to make them accountable and the law needs to be toughened so that we can do that. Jared Dwyer, thanks for your time. Thank you. That was Jared Dwyer, the National Secretary of the SDA, the Union for Retail, Fast Food and Warehousing Workers. And he's kind of throwing down the gauntlet there a bit, Rochelle. I mean, it is interesting to note that we do have certain laws that protect emergency service workers, and that's Mm. a fantastic thing to have in place. But would extending those same protections to hospitality workers, to, to people who work in public transport, would it make a difference? Yeah, this text, I work in hospitality in a service role. We had a horribly abusive customer both Friday and Saturday night. My poor manager had to take time out on Friday and I ended up doing the same on Saturday night. Most people will be horrified if they experience what it's like to work in customer service. The worst part is having to cop it, to not hit back verbally when it's so bad and you can't throw them out, when it turns into an abusive standoff while waiting for security to arrive to remove, to remove the abuser. Most people are lovely but those who aren't and those who don't experience it, there are no consequences. That's from Jan in Noble Park. If you work in retail, do you find that people are just getting more and more abusive and what protections would you like to see put into place? ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Michelle Hunt with you and Melbourne, Daniel Miles with you and ABC Warnable. Daniel, lots of people talking about and on top of it, if you work in retail, you're just not even paid that well. Not Mm. saying that pay, no matter what you're paid, Abuse is never okay. But on top of it, people, they feel like they're being paid poorly and then getting treated poorly as well. Yeah. We had one person texting saying their daughter worked part-time in retail, copped an emotional and phys- uh, verbal tirade, and her response was to say, this is above my pay grade and simply walked away. Is that what we need to start doing? Or do we tackle this at the at the head of the issue and say, why are people treating people so badly? It it was something that was everywhere during the pandemic. Mm. As we said at the top of the show, people were going viral for this sort of thing. And sadly, it's still happening now. Um, someone who's got a bit of experience has called in. Joe has called in from South Yarra. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd like, I agree with what Gerard Dwyer has said about, you know, more protections, particularly for young workers. I have three children who um, worked all the way through the pandemic. They're still working. One at a major supermarket. And he was in a situation where a lot of his co-workers um, were stuck in India. They couldn't return to Australia to their jobs. So he became a front-end supervisor um, at the age of 19, I think. Um, and, yeah, more recently, um, my daughter's boyfriend, who works in a major fast food outlet, he's 18 years old. He's studying to become a nurse. Um, he often does overnight shifts. He's a manager. And he recently clocked up over 10,000 views on TikTok um, for a short video where a middle-aged female customer abuses him because she believes the food isn't fresh. And he dealt with it with complete equanimity. Um, you know, very polite person. Um, I echo the, you know, the fact um, he's from Cambodia. I don't know if that made her feel that mm. she had more right mm. to abuse him. Yeah, but yeah it's interesting I, that you say that, Joy. There's a few people that have been mentioning, I wonder where racism comes into this. And lots of people also talking about the the training. Can I just ask you quickly, I mean, do any of your children or your daughter's boyfriend, do they get training in how to deal with, which is awful to think that, okay, also as a part of your work, we have to train you how to deal with abusive customers. But do they get that kind of support? Do they know what to do? They do get training um, and also, look, they're very good at supporting each other. So very often, you know, when they finish work, they'll debrief with each other. And look, they've all got amazing people skills. You know, mm. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a hard way to learn them. Um, it is. I don't know if I'd be able they, to handle it, Joe. You know, the yeah, idea of that you couldn't fight back or say anything. I think I'd last all of my five minutes before I'd have to let them cop it, which is not, you know, you don't deal with abuse with abuse, do you? But at the same time, 
I just find it fascinating, Joe. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I mean, Daniel, there's a text here that says all these comments are about poor behaviour of customers. They're valid. However, we need to discuss that businesses are putting few resources into properly training staff or giving good service in terms of quality of goods. As a result, customers become rightly aggrieved and the front worker is the one affected. This is a complex situation, not just the customer's fault. But if you're not happy, if you don't think your food is fresh or you're not happy Mm. and something's not happening as quickly as you want, does that thing give you the right to be aggressive? You can be annoyed, sure, oh, and make a complaint, absolutely. You can feel aggrieved, but that doesn't mean that you need to verbalise your, your your anger and they, in that way. Yes, that's it. And that's what Steve from Yalkas texted in. You know, I, I think society needs to call out bad behaviour as well. Often the worker fears losing their job in that position, and when you're a person coming in and it's your first ever job and yeah. you're faced with that abuse... Um, that's a really tough position to find yourself in. Um, Paul Zara is the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association and he joins us now. Paul, we've been talking about potentially you know, bringing in a, a criminal element for people who do abuse workers. Are the penalties that are in place at the moment enough or do we really need to supercharge them and, and have people face potential jail time for the way that they treat workers? Well, good morning, Daniel and Rochelle. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We saw in South Australia that they uh, have led the way. Uh, This is all state-based legislation. And the the, the change that uh, the South Australian government has implemented was prompted amid revelations that customer-facing shop workers faced an average of 50 assaults a month. Now, that's quite astronomical given the population size. So they have um, uh, moved towards aligning the same uh, penalties for offenders who assault retail workers on the job in line with paramedics and police. And Mm. we believe that's the right way to go. We do see our people as being frontline workers, particularly through COVID, where they were, you know, in fact, helped people get their food on the table, which is really important. And I thought that there'd been a shift, you know, finally, there'd been some respect and some recognition for people that had done jobs like retail, whether it be working in supermarkets. All of a sudden, I thought, finally, I mean, there's a text here, Paul Zara, that says, I believe this is a class system. We treat retail workers like subservient class. We pay them poorly. We don't respect them as humans. It's disgraceful hearing these comments and stories. Would you agree with that? Well, look, I think, unfortunately, the industry has driven a service culture that may uh, add to that theory because, in fact, we always say the customer is always right. In some cases, they're not. Um, And we've uh, been providing, actually, lots of uh, leadership and training around managing customer aggression because, unfortunately, it's become a new skill set to be um, able to, to actually operate uh, in a frontline role. Now, remembering most Australians start their first job either in retail or hospitality. So it's not a great way for young people to start their their, their working life or their mm-hmm. career. Uh, we do know that, in fact, when we look at customer aggression, women, women young people and people with a cultural uh, diverse background, uh, mostly targeted, unfortunately, because uh, they're the most vulnerable. So we, we're really urging other states. We've had the New South Wales... Um, opposition leaders say if they get into government, they will look at reviewing tougher penalties for assaulting uh, essential workers like retail workers, which is important. When you look at the Victorian legislation, the maximum penalty for common assault is three months or a fine of $2,331.90, which is, goes nowhere near enough to what's, um, what we've seen in, Australia, in South Australia, which um, is imprisonment for five years or more. We're speaking with Paul Zara, the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. Paul, we saw a spike in aggression towards these frontline workers, which we're we're calling them, um, during the pandemic. But that surge has stayed. Why do you think that is? Look, it's a difficult one, uh, Daniel, to understand. We we know that uh, customer aggression is driven often by anxiety, uh, customer anxiety, and through the pandemic it was probably explainable. I think as we've moved into this new area, new era rather, we expected it to subside, but it simply hasn't. Now, that anxiety partly could be driven by many factors, partly the cost of living pressures for individuals. We're seeing that um, uh, happening. We're also seeing in, in some locations around, you know, mental uh, issues or uh, mental mental illness issues or drug and alcohol abuse. So it's a variety of things mm. that would drive this uh, particular behaviour and, and it's simply not okay. And this is why we're bringing this to the attention of the general public. Now, in saying this, this is not the majority, it's the minority. The majority of <laughs> customers do the right thing, they behave well. But unfortunately, all you need is one of those incidences that can actually completely 
throw turmoil into the running of a store on a particular day or week and the the, the mental health the physical harm is is significant we did have you know we've been recording issues across the country uh, there was a, a bottle shop worker stabbed recently at darwin's airport tavern um and you know that's clearly not acceptable uh, and it ranges from staff members being assaulted with a walking stick which tells you it's not generational you know specific to a generation it's not young people always uh, throwing the abuse we've had a store owner pepper sprayed by shoplifters a staff member met with abuse tirade and physical threats for requesting to check bags these are you know these are often you know conditions of entry so there's a variety and it's wide and varied and it's concerning we'll speak to a psychologist a little later about it but paul we appreciate your time we know you're busy thank you Pleasure. Paul Zara, they're the CEO of the Australian Retailers Association. And just last week, Daniel, we did a program, and people can go back through the conversation hour feed, go to the podcast, go to the Listen app and listen back to it on road rage mm-hmm. and why we're just getting more aggressive on our roads. And a lot of people were saying similar things to what are coming through now, which is we are just becoming more aggressive and stressed in life and we feel like we can treat people however we want and just trying to get to the bottom of when and why and how that shift came about because as we said earlier people have had stresses mm. forever yeah you know and you can't blame but covid or the cost of living to treat people badly no and it, it it's the whole turn the other cheek idea it's the as we we've heard from some of our callers today it, it could be your your son your daughter but should we really need to take it to that point mm. to have a as level of empathy for the way that these people are working and we're hearing on the text it only takes one person to to absolutely mouth off at someone or to be physical or violent to have a, a really lasting impact on that worker that they then take back to their family and it's a it's awful it's a real yeah this is says i'm a receptionist at my husband's specialist medical practice i'm a trained nurse with a degree and a postgrad qualification it's amazing how badly you can be treated particularly if they've been kept waiting if they ever find out that my that the doctor is my husband it's amazing how quickly their behavior changes it's almost cringeworthy that says so much sandra's in belgrave good morning it's ringing regarding, uh, I work in the big green shed in a nursery and I find a lot of people who are very, very lovely people and they appreciate your advice and then you get other people who, as an example, a woman was in the other day, she had a fig in each hand and she's just walked up to me, opened one fig and looked at me and I said, yeah, it's a fig. She goes, oh, no, it's an apple. And then I said, and what was your question? She just put the figs in her hands and turned and walked off. So you get that, but then you get the other people who are wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just Sometimes I think it might be something to do with the way kids are taught these days and it's just coming through the generations. You'll see kids tearing around with trolleys and just not listening to their parents. And I just also think that perhaps it could be the, um, the lack of, you know, when I went to school, I would, call the teachers Mr or Mrs or Miss. These mm-hmm. days they call them by their first names, some of them, I think. It's like, oh, yes, yes, Miss Louise or yes, Miss something. Yeah. And I just wonder whether that's... It's been a long time, you think. Yeah, whether this line of uh, respect for other people has diminished. Um, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a strange world. Sandra, in your job, have you been given any training on how to work with people who are aggressive or, or do come yes. in... Yes, we do. Um, And I guess, yeah, you've got to bite your tongue and think, now, what was I taught? But as um, uh, you said before, that, yeah, you you just, sometimes you just think, Mm. you know, I just need to answer back to this person because... I don't get, as you say, I don't get paid a lot of money to be abused. And Absolutely. Um, yeah. And do you think there's, when we talk about working for big companies and big retail chains, that there should be more pressure put on them to make sure there are enough staff on board, that there's enough training? Because a lot of people like Denise says, absolutely, there is no excuse for aggression or violence. But it's beyond frustrating when a supermarket has eight checkouts and only two of them are open and there's long queues. So do you think some of the response, I'm not saying, like Denise, that there is any excuse, but do you think people's frustrations are exacerbated by just not having enough checkouts open or training or whatever it may be? Well, definitely. I mean, you get to a certain period of the year and um, the management get told to cut 
numbers because perhaps the um, budget isn't met or something. So, for instance, um, I, I come to work early on a Monday and there might be me outside and one or two for the whole of my particular area. Yeah. And, yeah, people wander around and looking for somebody mm. and, you know... They get oh, frustrated. Yeah. yeah, they get frustrated. So. Shopping at Christmas, that's like... Oh. That gives me chills even don't, thinking about it. Talking of trauma, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so, for calling in, Sandra. Susan's called from Brighton. Good morning, Susan. Yeah, hello. How are you? Very well. Um, look, I'm just calling... Uh, my husband and I are both teachers and we travel overseas to UK and Northern Europe quite frequently, uh, three or four times a year. And we find, generally speaking, Australians are rude on trains, in shops and streets. Children we teach are not being taught basic manners by their parents compared to what we see in Europe. Why is that, do you think? Um, I think because uh, Australians now... Our whole goal is money. These things aren't uh, important to Australians anymore, I don't think. Um, It's all about the big dollar. People are not taking time to teach their children basic manners, respect, and that goes right through society. And it also goes through the retail industry as well because the service in Australia, in shops, I mean in retail shops, very often is not so good. They won't go that uh, I know, but I mean, manners has come up a lot in this. But at what point do you have the right, I guess, to push back as mm. far as what people are? Our manner, I mean, fundamentally, it is manners. You know, Susan is absolutely right. It's yeah. manners and it's treating people with respect. So where and how have we lost that? And do we need to empower workers? We're, we're hearing from a lot of retail workers who say they just don't feel like they have the power to talk back or they can't talk back or simply they're not paid well enough to get and into a it, verbal stoush with yeah, someone. And just make it worse, you know. Exactly. You're just feeding fire with fire. Chris is in Labor's Hill. Hi, Chris. Hi, good morning. Um, I, I worked in um, restaurants all my life. I was a, both a cook and a shift supervisor in restaurants. And... Um, I actually think part of the issue is that managers these days are too slow to step in and they're they're not even present. They're away in an office. And so frontline staff are having to deal with aggro customers. Where I I initially worked for 15 years, we would say to junior staff, if you've got a customer that's giving you a problem at all, don't deal with it. Just call me in. I'll deal with it. And... um, more senior staff have got more experience, they've got more customer, they've got more, more uh, confidence and customers also back down a bit when the, when the manager mm. steps in. Is it getting worse? I mean, how long have you worked in hospitality? I'm, I'm, I'm retired now and okay. I, I worked in restaurants for 30 years. I, I also think um, it's a little bit the internet generation. People are, and it's not just generational, older people do it too. Um, with the arrival of the internet in our lives, We've got more used. To, I don't do it, obviously, but the people in the community seem to have got used to being aggressive, nasty, um, because they're hiding behind a computer screen. Mm. And that level of interaction, that that level of selfishness and nastiness, is creeping away from the computer and into face-to-face transactions as well. I wonder, Daniel Miles, Chris, thanks for your call. Whether when someone is treating someone badly whether they do think about the ongoing ramifications of how that person then feels. Mm. And this is a person who, more often than not, is a young person in their first time at a job. They're, you know, sometimes going through school. They're working to put themselves through uni. And on top of that, they're copying tirades of abuse that, I mean, let's be honest, in retail, more often than not, it's not their fault. Yeah, They're, they're just a punching bag for yeah. someone who's had another bad day and look this probably links back to the road rage episode that we've been talking about that someone is there and they are just copying the abuse of something that is maybe a build-up of other things so what do we do do we follow the line of other states do we increase the penalty do we make it a criminal offense if you work in retail are you experiencing more verbal and physical abuse and what protections would you like to see on abc radio melbourne and victoria this is the conversation hour
Good morning, my name's Rochelle Hunt. I'm in Melbourne. Your co-host today, Daniel Miles, joining you from ABC Warrnambool, where it hasn't rained today. We've had torrential rain and you haven't had a spot of it there. Yeah, it's great. I'm looking at the text line saying, huge rain in Coburg, thunderstorms here, and I'm looking out the window and it's nothing but blue skies. (laughs) Um, So if there was ever an advertisement for Southwest Victorian Warrnambool, uh, today's it. It's just so see how wide our state is. <laughs> Caroline in East Malvern sends this text. Rish and Daniel, Chris is spot on. That was our previous caller. I own a grocery store and my partner and I are always on the premises in case situations get out of hand. We've banned some people from our store and for abusive behaviour, although for us this is rare now, thankfully. We have to be conscious for customers who are out of line or there has to be consequences, apologies, for customers who are out of line. And staff need to be supported by managers and owners owners are not left to deal with the situation on their own. The big supermarkets have plenty of resources to provide that sport by way of visible managers on the floor. So why is that not happening? That's an it's interesting an interesting point, point yeah. isn't it? And, <laughs> and it, sort of, yeah, it sort of leads us to the next point. These things are happening. We've got, you know, the, these big organisations, they have the ability to give this training, but that's only one side of the argument. The other is the the person who's actually perpetrating this aggression or this violence in many instances. And one of the other things that we're hearing a lot is the diversity of the people who are actually on the receiving end of this. Ray Cooper is the Professor of Gender, Work and Employment Relations at Sydney University and joins us now. Ray, you've done a survey of retail workers about their experience and we're going to hear more about that soon. But from your understanding... Who are the people who are copying this abuse most frequently? Morning. Um, Well, what I'd say is it's so common that it's most retail workers for a start. So when you ask retail workers, um, you know, have they ever experienced customer aggression or abuse, um, they almost laugh at you because they're like, yeah, how many times today has it been? So it's so common. But actually in our surveys, what we find, and this is echoed in some of the comments your earlier um, callers um, were uh, mentioning is that it's it's a very gendered phenomenon. So we find that uh, women in particular are, m- are more likely to report that they have experienced this um, aggression and harassment, rudeness, but also sexual harassment um, from customers, um, and particularly young women. So it seems to be juniors and, you know, the sort of under 25 group. Um, but also we know that uh, workers who are from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds are also more likely to report that they um, have these experiences, not once a week, but pretty mm-hmm. much every day. Um, so so it's everybody, but there, there's a particularly acute problem among some workforce um, groups. How have we let it get to this point and to be this unaccountable when we think about how many people are employed in this sector and how widespread it is. There are not too many workplaces where it's okay, or no workplaces where it's okay to cop abuse. How have we let it get to this point, do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's a, it's a, I don't know, um, but I think you're right to say this is a, you know, like a, this is a v- very widespread, not just retail problem, but it's a labour market problem. Um, if you think about the fact that retail is the second largest employer in the country. So this is a very big proportion of people who actually work who are copying this sort of behaviour. And you're right, all those um, people who've called in talking about other um, service jobs like hospo is um, it's pr- you know it's a profound effect in hospo as well um, and also in frontline services um, uh, I think what underlies a lot of it and some of your other uh, callers like Paul Zara and uh, Jared Dwyer who called who were talking to you earlier it's this sort of narrative that the customer is always right um, and as a part of that there's some kind of sense that there's a servitude for the workers who are um, working in retail or hospo uh, and that they need to um, somehow sort of um, you know, bow down to the you know the, the needs of the customer and that can kind of lead to a, a bit of a power differential um, and look I think taking this seriously um, as employers is a really critical issue so if, if, if you're on the one hand saying you don't cop the abuse and you don't deserve to be treated like that, and on the other hand, um, you're really elevating, um, you know, customer service, customer feedback, you know, those little um, surveys you get when you're sometimes in some mm. retailers where you pay for, uh, you know, how was your experience? Oh, my God, um, I feel like I get that every yeah. time oh, I'm buying or go anywhere. <laughs> Even if someone's rude to me, I write perfect behaviour because I can't stand that kind of surveillance from customers. So there's these sort of contradictory messages that are coming out there um, and being aimed at, uh, at retail workers that um, I think actually kind of elevate this behaviour a little bit. 
we've had some suggestions on the text line, Ray Cooper, to, to yeah. rephrase that, the customer's always right. One was the customer's always polite, which I don't mind, and I might, you know, stick that one in the back pocket. I might claim yeah, it at some point too. Um, we hear about the abuse that these frontline workers are copying. Mm-hmm. Do the leaders of these big organisations fully mm. understand the level of abuse that their staff are getting, do you mm. think? So I thought, look, one thing that's kind of um, heartening is when you hear some of the spokespeople um, in retail, the big stakeholders like the Retailers Association, you had Paul on earlier, uh, and the union, um, and you had Jared on, they seem to understand that this is a really wicked problem um, that's facing um, not just the experience at work, but actually the likelihood that people are going to come and work in retail. Um, so, so that's important. But when you actually do, so we've done not just the surveys with um, retail workers, but we've also done lots of focus groups with them as well. Um, when you, when, when they talk to us about what the experience of work is and how often, for example, they cry as a result of um, treatment from um, customers, or how they are um, trained very much in the need to um, sort of de-escalate and diffuse kind of situations that mm. are really uh, becoming awful for them. I wonder about the extent to which leaders in retail organisations are actually listening to their staff. and How much they actually have contact with them. You know, sometimes they're yeah, well, so well, far I removed. A, look, this is a really good point and um, there is a big difference. Uh, I mean, look, abuse of any worker, in my view, is not okay. But if you actually look in our survey data at people who work in a corporate environment, so in the head offices and the you know, um, in, in that mm-hmm. kind of office context and the difference between um, their experience at work, because we surveyed them as well, uh, and the experience of frontline workers, it's worlds apart. So it's it not as not as much of a problem yeah. uh, and this customer sort of interaction stuff doesn't play out for them. So I think there is something in there about leaders in retail organisations need to properly inform themselves about what's happening um, and, um, and to, and be you know, maybe even locate themselves it's, in the store. You know, up in there up watch in- it. Yeah, boardrooms yeah. and being 10,000 mm. steps removed from the work that's actually being done in your organisation. Ray Cooper, yeah. thanks so much for your time. Professor that's of clear. Gender, Work and Employment Relations at Sydney University. I mean, this just shows you the extent here. This is Jan in Noble Park. In response to previous callers, customers used to back down when the manager stepped in, but since we reopened after COVID, they don't. Female managers are verbally abused. One of my male managers was shoved into the glasses at the bar, breaking a rack of glasses. The assailant then threw furniture around as he left the dining area. Nothing happened to him, even though he got his licence. It's just not good enough. And Ray then reminded me, Daniel, of our little local restaurant that we go to, little family-run restaurant that we go to Mm -hmm. just during the week, short on staff, young workers, first job out of school, 15 or 16, treated so badly by customers that he went into the toilet and cried. Uh, It's just heartbreaking, really, that that is someone's first experience in the workplace. And then, you know, it begs the question, we see, especially in the country, so many businesses are for sale because they simply can't get staff and I wonder how much of that links back to the treatment of staff and we'll talk to a psychologist about that that whole mindset shortly. I think one person who's been waiting very patiently on the line is Freddie. Uh, thanks for <laughs> calling in and, and taking the time Freddie. What would you like to say? I want to pay out. Uh, okay. this, is, this is the most biased predetermined presentation of a concept I've listened to in many a long time. Yesterday, I waited three minutes uh, for the girl to finish having her lovely fun chat while she was making the coffee of the previous person. Um, She was very slow because she was interacting with the person in front of me. When she came to take my order, I said to her, I'm not going to put an order here because I don't think she's done a very good job. And then I walked off. Am I a villain? Next point. You can't equate a verbal abuse to a young person who isn't trained, who doesn't know how to operate a machine, with a psychotic episode, with a mentally deranged person. No, but I don't think that's what we're saying, Freddie, but... Well, uh, hey, I'm only listening to what I'm hearing. So do you think it's okay then, Freddie, if you've had to wait three minutes for your coffee to then be able to... Does that give you the right to say something rude to that person that's making the coffee? 
Um, I think I have every right to point out that poor service is poor service. And did you do that in a polite, I, in a polite way? Said, did you do that? In, I, I do remember what you said. I'm asking: Did you say that in a polite way? Did, did that you waited and you were unhappy, or in an aggressive way? Uh, I was probably closer to aggressive than polite. Um, what impact again, do you think that would have, Freddie, you, on the on the worker? If you were a bit aggressive to her and she's trying to have an interaction with another a staff member, do do you think about what that might do to the to the young woman making the coffee? I hope she might uh, learn that you know her job is a service industry. She was having a lovely chat with someone. I was waiting to place an order. Big deal. Three minutes. I think you've had a really good crack, Freddie, and you've probably. Well, shown and given us a very strong example of how easily this can happen and how quickly people can justify their actions. But thanks for your call anyhow. Tamara Cavanagh is the president at the Australian Psychological Society. Tamara, do we feel like we can treat people however we want, even if we have to wait three minutes for our coffee? Look, I think everyone has different expectations and a different belief about what is reasonable and what's not reasonable, and then they work off that. So some people will say, you know, that this is a minimum expectation and other people will be more lenient and that's where the confusion is happening, I think. Over time, people are saying we're more stressed now. Okay, society's awful. We've just gone through a pandemic, cost of living. We can't afford our homes and our mortgages. But as we said at the beginning of the program, I watched my grandparents be the politest people on earth and they lived through depression and world wars. So we've always had stressful times. Why are we ruder now, do you think? Things have definitely been more stressful in the last few years than they have been for some time. So I think if we were talking about people's stress levels, there is a lot going on now. And, you know, it probably mimics what was decades ago, but we've come out of the pandemic, we've gone into cost of living pressures. Most people feel a lot of uncertainty about the future. And I think that's having a real impact on people's day-to-day capacity to cope. And some of what we're seeing um, when it comes to anger relates to what is essentially a much broader issue around stress, how we take care of ourselves and, you know, how we respond to things. Tamara, do you think the threat of harsher penalties hanging over such potential behaviour, if people who are in this position of of being stressed and under pressure and, and, and everything that comes with modern living, if they know that if they do have this, you know, aggressive outburst, there's the chance that it's going to be more than just... A slap on the wrist there's a chance it's going to be a significant fine or a significant jail period even would that change behavior research around um, harsher penalties often very rarely results in like behavior change i think we have a real punishment style that we think if someone's done the wrong thing that punishment would change the behavior but in fact people get angry within split seconds yeah and they lose that capacity for control. So the likelihood that in that second they remember the harsh penalty and then can change behaviour is less likely than addressing the reasons why they get angry in the first place. The idea of what constitutes rudeness and when we can react or not good service. So lots of people are reacting to Freddie and I don't want this to become a pile on to Freddie, but Susan agrees with him. She says, but the person who made Freddie's coffee was rude to him. They ignored him. They kept him waiting. No, hi, I'll be with you as soon as I can. So the the barista also behaved badly as well. I guess if we use this as our case study example, is... Is waiting three minutes, is someone not looking up and saying, I'll be with you soon, is that seen as bad behaviour? And why is it now that we think that it's okay, as Freddie said in his own words, to be aggressive to that person as a result of not being happy with the service that we get? So I think what people are talking about is two different things. One is whether or not someone has done good service and whether or not you can feel frustrated or angry at them for whatever has happened. The next set is what you do in behaviour from that moment forward. And people often get confused between the two. If I'm entitled to be angry, does that mean I'm entitled to behave in particular ways? And where is the limit on that? And that's where we would mostly um, focus is it's not that you can't feel frustrated and angry. It's not that your expectation Mm. 
might be reasonable. It's, is it okay to say or do whatever it is you might do from there? And that's where people's focus needs to be. Tamara, is this an Australian thing? Are we alone in the way that we treat mm. our, our service workers? I know we've had people call in and text about experiences in Japan. And, and that's something that I've, I've experienced too. And I've loved it. You go to the family mart and they are incredibly polite and welcoming and just full of joy. But you, you find these situations in Australia where that's not the case. Is this an Aussie thing? It's really interesting to think about how culture does influence. Certainly, um, you know, there is cultural influences in Japan in the way that they interact and that you would expect to see, you know, change behaviour a, a good portion of the time in the service industry. Similarly, where your reward for how you behave on customer service, so if you think US where you might get um, a tip because of how you behave, it might change behaviour. So I do think there's possible that there's some influence. But at the end of the day, this is mostly about what people believe in terms of behaviour as to whether they think that their reaction is okay or not okay and whether or not they can control it. And whether or not people feel like they have the right, there's a few texts around class and the idea that we look down on people that do this type of work and that we feel this right to be able to treat people in this way, depending on where you sort of fit in the pecking order. There's just so much to it. And we often try and find glass half full, you know, in this show. And mm. I feel really saddened by today. I really, I really do. I hope if anything, just talking about it and having it out there, people will start to think about their behaviour, think about what their reactions uh, could have on somebody else. Tamara, thanks so much for your insights. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Tamara Kavanagh, she's the president of the Australian Psychological Society. I feel sad, Daniel Miles. I know. I'm sorry. I wish I wasn't an ABC <laughs> Warner Bull. I'd come and give you a hug. Because it's, it's just... Oh. It is a bit... It's, it's easy to feel down about this. Yeah. And especially, you know, if you've got a, a niggle of empathy in your body to, to feel for the way that these people are being treated. The for other thing what? is... I, oh. One thing I love about this show is we come out and we, we try and find a solution. You know, yep. we're, we're very solutions-oriented. Yep. We try and say, well, what's the answer here? Be better? Is be that, nice? <laughs> just just don't be mean? I, I don't know. Is, are we taking it back to the schoolyard and saying, stop being mean to your friends? I don't know where the, the solution respect. is. It come, and this came in the Road Rage show as well. Yeah. It's very similar. Just respect. Absolutely. And it's really interesting. Respect each other. A lot of the through line through this conversation has been, do we put harsher penalties on? And... I'm really interested in Tamara Kavanagh's answer there that harsher penalties don't always make changed behaviours. So if that's out, where do we turn from here? Daniel Miles, as always, joining us from ABC Warnable. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you soon. Speak soon. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow we're looking at a rise in natural burials, environmentally friendly burials, and that can even go as far as human composting. That's tomorrow. Take care. Speak soon.